are tuned in to the Way of Healing podcast, where we inspire humans to connect more deeply to their experience of life. My name is OJ. My name is Casey. We are connecting with practitioners to talk about the potential of the innate healing powers within. Welcome back to the Way of Healing podcast. I'm Casey. I'm OJ. Woo woo. This is our second recording since OJ's return from Mexico. Mexico. I'm going to make him. I, I I threatened to interview him and he was like, I'm not ready. Not yet. Okay, well. Not yet. Soon, friend. Yeah. Um, so instead, we have a wonderful guest. I'm super excited to introduce Candace Veach. Doctor. Thank you, Dr. Candace Veach. Mm. Uh, we found her. She is in Brentwood and she is a board certified acupuncturist and Chinese herbal medicine doctor. She also does uh, life guidance based on Buddhist and yoga philosophy. She's an empath and intuitive and does energetic intervention. Welcome, Candace. Raw. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> we are going wild in here. Yeah, we are. Thank you for that introduction. So that was really well done. Uh, we're going to play a game really quick because you told me about a game and I figured why not play a game. I wear this necklace all the time. Oh, okay. Candace does this thing where she can feel, she can feel, and we're going to play this game. So, Doc, may you, can Let's see you? How this goes. So she's holding it in her hand and she's feeling out what this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, this is strong. Wow, nice. Okay, mm. where you go? Where's it going? It is, this is, I would say this is definitely yang. This mm-hmm. has got a lot of yang energy. It's, it's um, activating down low in the uh, body across um, the pelvic area. Mm. It, it's going there first. Let's see where it goes. And yeah, it's just very young. It's very expansive. It's very powerful. It would be very good on a man. Uh, let's see where else. What else? I'll tell you what it is after. It's 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 this is completely spreading out your energetic field in every direction, but it's starting from the lower jaw. We call this the lower jaw in Chinese medicine, the lower part of the body, and it is uh, the lower dantian. Hmm. Uh, uh, for the Taoist and the Qigong masters. I'm just loving this. This is so strong that it's kind of, I'm holding it in my left hand. It's kind of pushing me to the right because it is that strong. So you're a pretty chill dude if you can wear this all the time and just sort of cruise with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, he says <laughs> with a chest iron <laughs> grin on his no. eye. <laughs> Mr. Smug in the corner. <laughs> So, uh, I, it's pretty cool. This looks kind of like a arrowhead. What is mm-hmm. it? Multivite. Multivite. Is this from a meteorite? Multivite. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. That's like it's. It is kind of otherworldly. It that mm. kind of knocks you sideways. It's like so a strong. meteorite. Yeah. yeah. Meteorite. Uh, and very explosive. Yeah. Very explosive. Very. So young. it's working for him, huh? I think it would work for anybody, but he happens to be the one wearing it. Hmm. That is good stuff. Amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, cool little sto- uh, s- story. They say that Archangel Michael, when he was battling with Satan and they fell from the sky, uh-huh. they, that was the meteorite that landed on Earth and then it created this stone. This stone. Okay. It is very powerful. Yeah. It could. I could see how it could be like. The, the archangel energy i don't i don't do the angelic thing necessarily so it wasn't like oh okay but i could it's powerful mm. and it's just, very and it's such a tiny piece right, i want I, people mm, to know that it's a just very gonna say that it's a very tiny piece it's cut so thin that you, it's trans you can see through it mm-hmm. and it still has it's packing a really big wallop cool what was it again moldavite moldavite yeah get some now mm. i'm going for it <laughs> you get me a piece. <laughs> so yeah, um, that that's you, you can do that with anything really, and I know you do that with some of the TCM, some of the Chinese medicine that you use. Yes, with your I do. Clients. Um, the TCM is a little bit when I'm writing a, a custom herbal formula, and that's mm. one of the things that makes me a little bit different from some of the Chinese doctors you run into is that I've actually left school. You leave school with all of the theory. 
and enough knowledge to actually start working with it is mm. hard, especially the herbs. And so a lot of people just shy back from the herbs. And I decided not to shy back, but rather than to just dig in. And um, the very first person I ever wrote a custom formula for was somebody suffering from Meniere's. And Tell us what that is. Uh, Meniere's is when you have a constant ringing in your ears mm. and it's creates vertigo, vertigo mm. to the point that you are disabled. And so you, you can't drive, you can't get up off the couch. Her, she was disabled. Her life was just not moving forward at all. Um, Meniere's doesn't have any good Western treatments. The most horrible treatment I heard is that if it's really, really bad and the ringing is really driving you crazy, this is more than tinnitus. This is extreme. They'll cut Surgical. the, yeah, they'll cut the, um, nerve to the ear so you lose your hearing but you also lose the ringing whoa yeah a bit intense and she hadn't had this her whole life this was something uh, no that came it, it, on. it had come on and she's a good she's a good example for the way everything developed in my healing process because i started with her she had this debilitating situation and i sat down fledgling chinese doctor to write a formula and for the first time without my supervisors or my human teachers with me. Now mm. I always have my disembodied teachers with me. So they're a great asset. And it took me four hours to write that formula because she had so many different patterns of dysfunction going on and they were all interacting with one another. And so I had to write a formula that would address all these five or six different patterns of dysfunction in a way that was balanced so that you know, because when you're treating one, you might be damaging another. So it took me four hours. And then I just remember, but at the end of it, I was looking at it step by step by step. And it was just like, yes, 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 this will work. And I gave it to her. And after three days, she said, I'm not feeling any better. And then I thought back, I thought, no, I applied all the theory to the best of my ability. I got a sign off from my internal hmm. teachers. And I just said, keep going. I think it'll, it'll be better. Three more days, and she was out of it and she started to feel a lot hey. better. Yeah. And then to continue the story. So we dealt with the, this very physical symptom. I think the ringing was still coming and going. She was having some nausea, but she was able to work again. And we continued to work together. And as we got deeper into it, and then the acupuncture was coming on board and then the energy work was coming on board. And at that time, I wasn't even really aware of this shamanic like intervention that I'm capable of. I was just sort of doing it without a definition. But all of a sudden I was all the way back and I was saying, there is a bar blocking your throat and there's something happened where you needed to speak and you weren't speaking. And she had an event when she was a child where a family friend was molesting her and he was under the covers type thing playing around. And her mother actually opened the door and said, honey, are you okay? And he looked up and said, oh, she's fine. And she didn't say anything. And so that incident was the beginning of the imbalance that then layered and layered and layered until it became this very severe physical issue. Hmm. And so you, hope you want OJ, you have been studying yoga philosophy. So you know about the five bodies. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Tell us. I am so surprised. I, this is so like in my bones. I think everyone knows I this. Stu I've studied, I'm a yoga practitioner. I'm teach every week and i'm not sure that i know the five bodies yeah that's okay. how watered down the training is <laughs> in america okay. well there's a funny story about how i learned about them but that's a story for another day the five bodies are uh everybody doesn't have one body we all actually have five bodies and that's we have our physical body our energetic body our emotional body our mental body and our spiritual body gotcha yeah okay i just right. did. I had a feeling I, that yeah. once it's you like, started listing them off i was, was going to sound a little yeah. familiar yeah, yeah they call them koshas or sheaths or all of this but there really are like basically five bodies that are occupying about the same space but they're all really intricately connected. And so if you have an imbalance or a trauma or something in one of the five bodies that is not corrected, it will over time affect mm. the other bodies. Absolutely. And it can go either way. It can you know, start off with a problem with your physical form. And if it's left, un left unchecked, it's gonna eventually manifest into your mental, into your emotional world. And if that goes on long enough, you may find yourself to the point where you're questioning the existence of God and 
the value of life. And, and a lot of people are starting there. And then, yeah. Right? At yeah. The, the spiritual body is the injured body. Yeah. And they're working backwards. Right. Yes. But I've well, yes. found a, lo a lot of, a that, lot of, yeah, a lot of healers mm -hmm. are working with subtleties. So they're starting with the more subtle bodies of the spiritual body or the mental body or the emotional body. And they're starting there. And, but the physical body will be out of balance and it'll be dragging the process down. Hmm. And that's why hmm. I get this amazing opportunity because of my training in the Chinese medicine and the herbs. I have this foundation, this holistic medical system that I can use to address the physical body and the energetic body very solidly. Hmm. You know, with tried and true thousands of years of clinical use, you know, I, I know we're not guessing, we know what it does. Yeah. So I can, and that's always where I start with a patient as I start with that. And then we get into the more and the more subtle as we go along. So you're working on multiple bodies at once. Five body therapy. That's what I've decided to call it. Hey, Very cool. I like it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Theory wise, what is the main difference between um, Ayurvedic and, and Chinese? Yeah. Uh, I am not well, I almost feel like I'm not well versed enough in Ayurvedic medicine because that's a, a separate system mm -hmm. to really comment on it. But my general comment, I'm going to comment anyway, my general <laughs> comment is that uh, when you look at the Chinese uh, culture and you look at the Indian culture, you see very two different types of cultures. Mm -hmm. Like the uh, the Chinese are like, uh, energy, gee, uh, what can we do with it? Let's write down notes. Let's take notes. And let's, what's the martial use? What's the medical use? What's the, you know, they really keep notes. And they write it all down or pass it down through lineages. And they're really careful about that. And then you have the Indians that are all kind of like this, you know, just do it. And I'd feel like the, that the Ayurvedic system is, it feels a little more superstitious to me. And that sounds strange because Chinese medicine can seem superstitious to somebody who doesn't understand it. But it's a really clear cut theory hmm. that is written down and can be taught. It looks magical when you're applying it, but it's a really clear cut theory. And to my knowledge, Ayurvedic isn't quite that. I was going to even suggest like, I, you know, I don't know how much Ayurvedic knowledge Candace had. So I didn't know even if we could have even. You can ask me anything. Ask question, but you know, I've studied some of both and there is overlap. Yeah, there would be. And then there's also very clear where they go into very different directions for the same condition or ailment. And that's where it gets tricky for me. Like, I'm so interested. Chinese medicine works with elements, right? Does it work with the elements? What, what sorts of elements but people does it work get, with? That's sort of a misnomer. It's the five Wu, the five phases. And the five phases mean five energetic phases. So it's five energies. And the five energies that are coming down, creating the 10,000 things. And I think that at least when I was sitting with a guru, he talked about there being five energies too. That when the energy comes through, the pseudovidia, the pseudovidia, I hope I say that right, but because that word just stuck in my head when he said it, because I thought these people have a word for everything, mm -hmm. because the pseudovidia represents that point in that loka in existence where the one energy moves through and splinters into the five. Now that was from a guru, so he would have been in more of the Ayurvedic system, but I didn't study the medical application behind that. In Chinese, they talk about the five Wu, the five phases. And of course, as once they had these five phases, they started assigning meaning to these five phases. So fire is an element. It went with one. Water went with another. Metal went with another. Uh. You know, water, wood, what did I leave out? Earth. Mm -hmm. So these were five elements and the five elements got assigned, but then so did everything else. Seasons, plants, smells. Wet, hot, dry, cold, right? Mm, not so much for the phases, but yes, I understand what you're saying, that things tend to be... So they have these five energies that mix together. And... Um, Do the five energies have names? Well, we tend to refer to them by their elemental names. Okay. Fire. The wood. Wood. Fire, metal. Water. Yeah. Air. Is air. I mean, I have to do it in the right order. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't see it. It's, it's 
fire, earth, metal, water, wood. And that symbol that people think of as being the symbol of Satan or the devil or something, it's not actually. It's actually a mnemonic device to mm. help you remember the five elements, the five phases, and how they interrelate with one another. Somewhere along the way, some occultists picked it up and went, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> and people say that the difference is that, you know, with the bad guys, one is pointing down with the, the mm. you know, whereas the good guys, one, the one we use is points upward. The star with the circle. Star, yeah, the star with the circle. That's gotcha. the uh, okay. that's the symbol that we use. But the star part of it is actually, oh my gosh, you guys have to stop me. No, I will, it we. I mean, I eventually, I, I just, guess we will. But yeah, yeah, I keep just going. can keep going. The circle part of it is talking about the generation cycle. So let's say we start with the wood element. Wood generates fire. Fire generates earth. Earth generates metal. Metal generates water. Mm -hmm. Wait, take me through metal water. How does metal generate water? Okay, that's the one that always gets a little... Mm. Because when they saw water coming up out of the ground uh -huh. from a spring, it was clean and clear. It wasn't muddy, like the earth around it. And it was the metal that had cleaned... It was, yeah. it was like, it was sort of assumed or believed that, that the water had somehow interacted with the metal and had, and that's what was making it clear. So we can say a little iffy there, but it still it works. works. And then water generates wood. Mm -hmm. So in the cycle of relationships, there has to be like, there's go pedal. There has to be a break. So each one of the elements is responsible for acting as a regulator or a braking system on one of the other elements. That's the star part of it. So wood regulates earth. You can think of the uh -huh. roots of the tree. Earth regulates water. You can think of the banks of a river. Water regulates fire, obvious. Fire regulates metal. Mm -hmm. And then metal regulates wood. Okay, so that's called the Ko and the Shen cycles. The generation and the controlling cycles. And that's our that's what makes that little symbol and looking at those relationships is what makes Chinese medicine a holistic medical system. Because we're looking at the whole of it and how it interrelates. And that is the definition of holistic. People think, oh, it's holistic. I'm taking vitamins. It's like holistic thinking is systems thinking. When something is holistic, it means that you're looking at a system, a complex system, and considering the relationships between the different constituents of that system. And you're looking at it on multiple levels and from multiple perspectives. Yes. You're looking at it on the ground where the trees and the cars and the people are walking, and you're also looking at it from up above bird's eye view. Yes. Right? It's like micro and macro. Or or to use the, going back to the five bodies, those five energies, those five uh, relationships are playing out on all the bodies. Because as the Chinese system was assigning things, like I said, they assigned everything. They assigned organs. They assigned emotions. So here the West is like so excited, body, mind, connection. It's like, oh God please. Yeah. You know, we can tell you what organ, what emotion, whether it's hot, whether it's cold, whether it's dry, whether it's wet, what it needs. In the full Chinese pharmacopoeia of medicinal substances, there's about 5,000 cataloged natural substances that have medicinal value. In the American version of that, we work with about 400. And is it access-based because we can't get some of those things here? No, they're the ones that are used the most. Gotcha. Because they're, uh, when you go to school, you get these big fat tomes. It's kind of cool. You feel like you're at Hogwarts or something. It's big old <laughs> books. And it's giving you the information that's been gathered over thousands of years of how these uh, medicinal substances are used together. And so sometimes it was just fascinating to be able to go, oh, here's this... Uh, the free, free and easy wanderer, which is a really classic formula. You can use it so many different ways and with additions and subtractions to make it fit for a particular person. And that classic formula was written in something like 1040. Oh. <laughs> I was about three years old then. <laughs> in one of your lives. <laughs> yeah, 
my name wasn't Casey. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, my, I really am happy that, you know, even as a, as a healer, as a shamanic, meaning shaman-like, the IC at the end of the word means shaman-like. I'm not officially a shaman, but as a shamanic healer and the rest of it, it really gives me a sense of stability to know that I'm rooted in that system mm. and that I'm also leaning on the yoga system. Yeah. So, you know, so beautiful. I'm like staring into Candace, just kind of starry eyed. <laughs> um, Energetically, I know in like the Chinese with the chi and everything, it can be seen as like blood flow moving through the body. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the differences in like that kind of energy versus like felt intuitive energy at all? Okay, let me see if I understand your question. Is there a difference? Yeah. Is that there a difference? Think because of that. There's a lot of Tai Chi, Qigong teachers that are like, this This is energy. This little box is what the energy is mm -mm. versus like the expansive. No, it is expansive, mm -hmm. my brother. It's, they say in the literature that all any of us are condensed chi. Mm -hmm. The Buddhists say same substance, that we are same substance, and that that's how we can always find the way to be compassionate towards another person is to just, no matter what they're doing, you just have to look at them and think same substance. We are the same substance. Okay. Can I put you on speed dial like one? And when I'm having one of those moments, I can be like, Candace, tell me that we're the same substance, please. <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah. That we are all versions of the same thing. You can call it chi field. You can call it the Akashic field. You can call it the background field, but it's a field of energy that everything sort of swirls and rises up mm. out of and then falls back into. So that's why it gets confusing when you're studying Chinese medicine because they talk about the three treasures, qi, jing, and shen. Mm. And when they're speaking of it that way, your jing is your ancestral, which could be considered your constitution, could be considered your DNA, but also is your ancestral karma. So that's your Jing, and then your Shen is your spirit intelligence, and these are the three treasures, and you're supposed to guard your three treasures. So that's when they're talking about that, Qi. It's all of this physical, the physical mm -hmm. version of you. Gotcha. But then when they talk about Spleen Qi, it's a, a small subset of that, and then it gets smaller and smaller. So and how it's, about what's in your Dantian or what's generated there? Is that... Yeah, that's source. source. They talk about the Ming Meng, the gate of vitality. And it's this particular loka. I love the word loka because mm. and that's a Sanskrit word that I learned. It's like just it's the root word obviously for location. But when you're talking about loka, it just means okay, there's not a physical location for this exactly, but we know that somewhere in space-time continuum there is this loka where this takes place. Mm -hmm. So there's a loka inside your body, and the Taoist and the Chinese would say that it's between the kidneys and about this point, and that is your Ming Meng, and that is the gate of vitality. And what I have perceived as I've been working on people is that if you can get far enough in there, there is a way to trigger that and that will connect you to universal chi. Oh, that's what you were asking at the beginning. Universal chi. Yeah. Cool. Yuan chi. It's yeah. called Yuan chi. It has a name. Universal you chi. You want chi. Oh, I, I want chi. Want chi. We, everyone we all wants want chi. And the cool thing is that on every channel in your body, it's a yuan source point as it's called. And it means that when you needle that point on that channel, it pulls universal chi into the body. So certain points are points that can just pull uh, chi into the body. What you doing there? <laughs> you read my mind. You read my mind. I was just holding all of these words going, do I say all of this? I haven't gotten acupuncture in such a long time. I'm like, there's space enough for me to lie down on the floor and OJ can have the cow. Did you bring your needle? Oh, I'm like, so excited. I did not. <laughs> no, we know, but we're we're dreaming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's the fun stuff. They really did, you know. It's they were, so intricate. They were, How do is, you begin to like dive into that? I mean, when you first, do you want to talk about how you came to study Chinese medicine? Um, As a body worker. Uh, I, well, it, well, going back a bit, I was in the film 
business. Do and you mean I was, what aspects? I was, oh, very left brain. I was a, a production manager and a line producer. So it was a shit. Exactly. I was the whip. I was the hatchet woman. I was so far away from what I am now. It is amazing. Hilarious. I think we met in that lifetime because I was pursuing acting for years, oh, um, God. but on the East coast. And, uh, yeah, that's why I'm able to say, Ko-psh. yeah, because yeah. most of the line producers that I met are production managers. Yeah. So, I yeah, remember one I, of my, like the peak situation once was we had an actor we were sharing with another film set and we weren't the bigger company. So we were having to work around their shooting schedule to get the actor and all this was, and then in the midst of it, this actor's, um, father has become very, very ill in his final days and is, and it's in work. How's it going to affect our shooting schedule? Because of course that's what we're worried about is our shooting schedule. And then I, of course, as the line producer and the production manager, you know, I'm to come up with the way this is supposed to resolve. And I got it all worked out. And mm-hmm, and there came the call from the executive producer and he's got me on the phone, his you know, big voice. He said, okay, so what's the plan? And I just said, um, okay, it's like this. If his father dies before one o'clock and he says, oh, I don't want to hear it. And I said, okay, it's up to you. And he goes, oh no, tell me. And I had a whole plan that was like, if his father dies before one o'clock, this happens. His father dies after one o'clock, this happens. That is pretty tactical thinking. So there I was, uh, coded to be a shaman, but doing that instead. So big surprise, my body was breaking down. Mm-hmm. Breakdown came to me right before you said it. And yeah. It's like a uh, breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. So my body was breaking down. And as it was breaking down, I kept searching for ways. I started hearing about these interesting people called Chinese doctors and they could solve anything. And it was really amazing. It was kind of magical. And I started getting curious about it. At the same time, I was doing a lot of yoga. I started taking up yoga to do, to offset the stress. I was, you know, I don't think I made it into meditation yet, but I was doing yoga. I was doing herbs. I was finding out about all this stuff. And I just, I'd been doing yoga for a while. And I just got to the point of realizing that I had two roads in front of me and they were not mutually supportive, that everything that was desirable and everything that you were cultivating in order to be on one path was exactly what you did not need on the other. Compassion, no compassion, Mm -hmm. you know, it was this sort of choice. And so I just, leapt out of the plane without a parachute. And I just threw away all the effort that I had put into building a career in the entertainment business and, you know, went into Chinese medicine. The net appeared. Yeah. Eventually. Eventually. (laughs) Or the parachute or... The process began. The process process began. began in earnest. And the process of basically, you know, because as I was making that leap, as I was first discovering my natural abilities with working with energy... And then, you know, the farther I was going into it, and now I have this whole system of thought that in studying Chinese medicine will change your perspective on the world. In the meantime, you know, and, you know, I told you I went to Emperor's College and Emperor's College really did feel like Hogwarts and that everybody was coming up with, oh, try this purification routine, or there's this really cool teacher over there and we'd all flock this way and we'd all flock that way. So there was a lot of evolution and that happened during the four years that I was going through school. And I was doing body work that entire time I was going through school. And then I got into practicing. And I remember starting practicing thinking, if I can figure out or when I figure out how to do what I'm doing with the when I'm working on bodies with my hands, when I figure out how to pair that and blend that with the Chinese medicine, that'll really be something. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess that's what I've done. How, many, how long have you been in practice now with this type of work? 16 years. Mm-hmm. And have you, have you worked on any of the people in the entertainment business? that? Actually, um, <laughs> a woman I, know, I knew back then uh, contacted me. She was diagnosed with cancer. And so she wanted some support in that. And she said the nicest thing to me, which was, she looked me up and said, I know that you left the business to go study Chinese medicine. Are you still doing that? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, well, I've got this thing going on. I thought I've got to find Candace because if she's doing it, she's not doing it half-assed. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's a- so that was that. And we, um, and it was lovely to be able to work with her. Number one, one of the first things we did is we renamed it. 
we called it lumpy. So we would just discuss lumpy, mm-hmm. you know, and Nat took a lot of the out of it. And because she was in the entertainment business, she had a lot of deficiencies. She wasn't at her strongest. And so that was what my addition was, was to get her strong. And her MD was surprised. It shows up on blood tests and hormone panels when you're using Chinese herbs and you're getting acupuncture. Mm-hmm. It changes those things. So she's doing great, by the way. Amazing. Hey. I don't know, I'm at a loss for words, kind of. You're like, at a loss uh, of words? Um, I could tell you about my next thing I'm up to. Yeah, work on that. What else are you up to? <laughs> <laughs> Great question, OJ. (laughs) Well, we are in a very interesting time, obviously. I think anyone who has any awareness at all, anyone who's listening to this podcast is aware. Tell everyone, anyone who's listening, tell everyone. And we're at the start of this year, and I forget what the astrological booyah was that kicked it off, but there was a huge surge of energy at the very beginning of this year. And my way of describing it would be that the solar feminine, Mm. it's a certain type of, it's solar feminine energy. We've been having this uptick of feminine energy and, you know, it's flowing down on the earth pretty much since about mid 2012, but now it's solar feminine. So this is the feminine energy that gets things done. This is the energy that in that Tai Chi ball, that black and white chasing a fish looking Mm. symbol that everyone knows, that is another mnemonic device, actually. It's a device for capturing the dance of yin and yang and the rules of yin and yang. (gasps) I want to learn about this. You know what she's talking about, the fish. Well, I know the fish, but I didn't know that it was the rules of following yin and yang. Yeah. Okay. It's um, it, it's just to me. I just symbols are really powerful because back in the day, these incredibly sage people—that's probably why we called them sages—came up with these symbols that would hold meaning, and they were like proverbs in illustration form. In a way, that's a good way or to say it. You're saying a mnemonic, right? Yeah, yeah a mnemonic device because. I was in school and we were always looking for mnemonic yes, devices. <laughs> they work. That's why. So the long walk to get to what I'm up to is that there is, we're in a time of great transition and the solar feminine is what I'm calling this energy that seems to be bombarding the planet and flowing down on the planet now. But it represents, when you look at that yin and yang symbol, it's really in motion. It's really like the will has been stopped so that you can see everything is yin and yang, but even if it's very yang, it has some yin in it. Even if it's very yin, it has some yang in it. But it's also telling you that when you reach your highest point of yang, it reverts to yin. Mm. And when you reach your most extreme yin, it reverts to yang. Mm. And that that is just the way of the world. A natural cycle. A natural cycle. And we see that in nature right? All the Mm -hmm. time when after winter, it becomes spring. When Mm -hmm. things go into yin, they go there. When things have died, when the seasons, right? Exactly. Exactly. Then we get a birth, a a burst. From winter, winter would be considered very yin. And then we go right right into spring, which is very yang. Mm -hmm. That's the theme of the day. There's been lots of theme. I'm just, you know, my brain is outside of my body right now and it's perfect. It can stay there forever. Uh, (laughs) So it represents that movement. Right. So this cycle. is, we're at that, but we're at that switching point. Mm. So everybody uh-huh. can feel it. You can feel it on every level, but we are at that switching point where we have reached the most extreme of, let's for example, capitalism. And now all of a sudden there's people running around calling themselves socialists. It's like, that would never have happened 10 years ago. So, so here we are. So what, what is my thing? What am I up to? is that I feel that we have reached the extreme on ego-driven life. And that what we need is to reconnect. It's an individual need, but it's also a cultural need to learn the difference between our ego identity and our high self and to start motivating and moving from our highest self. So I've devised this method, this workshop. I've done my first beta workshop in March, I think it was. And it is, I call it Journey to Joy. 
a hundred day adventure in self-discovery. And the plan is, and it's really hard, it's fun. It seems so easy that it's confusing people. It's like when you learn the rules of badgammon and they're really easy, but somehow the game is much more complicated. Right. <laughs> so it's the same thing because the, the number one thing I'm, everybody is used to this idea of, oh, we have to set goals. We have to set goals, right? Or the secret, the secret is how to manifest. Mm. And I, when I would read or look at any of that, I think, man, they are missing a really big piece of this. Right. And Which the big, big piece is that if you're, yeah, if you're manifesting and you're picking goals and you're doing all of that from the ego, there is no way it's, if it did happen, that it would make you happy. Right. And the other chances are is that it won't happen because there's going to be your high self going, whoa, right. Nelly. What are you, where are you driving? Where are you taking this train? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Where are you going? It's like m my high self going, girl, you are not a line producer. And I'm going to lay you down until you figure that out. You know, because that your high self is wise. It's very patient, but it's also very wise. So what I am moving through my workshop is getting people to make that shift, connect to their high self, and then set not goals for their life, but aspirations. Journey to joy. Mm -hmm. And when you call it 100 days, what sort of involvement are you having with people through that time? At this point, we're working that out, like how much support is needed. It turns out it's not that much that as long as you, once you set the aspirations and you've really made, because there is a part in the workshop where we go on a shamanic journey. I lead a shamanic journey to connect you to yourself. And when I was conceptualizing, how is this to be done? It wasn't like, okay, and then you find yourself and ask yourself, what are my aspirations? I thought, that's not the point of this. I do have guides. So the point was to actually get the participants to drop deep within themselves and just meet that part of themselves. Mm. And then as we, they come back up to the surface, then they have to turn around and now from the surface, try to reach back into that and write your aspirations from here. The hardest thing is to write your aspirations. That's the hardest part. And then there's some other stuff, but then you just start running with it. And what people, uh, we're doing virtual circles. It seems like every couple weeks, you know, we do a virtual circle and we all check in. And what seems to happen is people are surprised to realize that they're moving forward because they don't feel like they're doing anything because the ego is the doer. It's like you were saying, Casey, that Spirit just does this. Spirit is just all, oh, it's so interesting. And that's exactly right. You know, your, your job is to hold the aspiration and to give it what I call TLC, tiny little choices. Mm -hmm. Tiny like little choices. It's not big moves. Mm. It's tiny little choices. So it's a whole system that I explain and I get people set up and then turn them loose and they get kind of surprised. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But I cleaned out my, my artist studio and I sorted everything. It's like you're doing it, you know? So that sounds that's like fun. a great workshop. I hope that the beta, I mean, I'll be a guinea pig if there's another beta and then if it, <laughs> if it takes flight. Um, yeah, or, I'll let yeah. you know. So we'll, we'll let our audience know too. Yeah, for sure. That's exciting. Mm. So how is that part of, you're calling your work the five? Five body therapy. Five, five body therapy. And is that at all related? Is there? It is because when I first, well, the way I came up with this method was I was doing it for myself. I was on a long road trip about a year ago and in the middle of nowhere, the voice, the guidance was talking and saying that it was this one-on-one-on-one -on -one -on -one healing thing I was doing wasn't enough and that I was going to be reaching out and I needed to be reaching out and touching a lot more people and that I would do this through writing and I would do this through teaching. Mm -hmm. And middle of the desert and all I can think of is like all my life I've been getting this message yeah. and what's the topic? <laughs> Which desert by the way? Um, whatever's out there by Barstow, beyond Barstow. I was way out there, Kingman, <laughs> somewhere out there. So yeah, I started off on the lower one in Sedona and I went all the way to Kansas and all the way back. I don't know what oh, I was thinking. She said Sedona. I know. I it know was, you, that you were asking a, about yeah. that. Sedona is sweet. Go ahead. Tell the story, Oge. Uh, 
Casey and I were in massage school together for a couple months and quote unquote randomly my family and I <laughs> went up to Arizona um, because our plans had fallen through to go camping and we went to visit a friend and we randomly left at a certain time and randomly stopped at a gas station at a random gas station where I was pulled in filling up mm-hmm. at this gas station because I had decided to make a last minute trip oh my two like days nine o'clock in the evening it was later it was 11 because I was yeah Ooh. it was like it was like way late and we were like OJ saw me and I was like and it was pitch black and I'm in this super random gas station and I'm like what the and yeah but that happened outside of Sedona and another Sedona what do you what do we want to call it uh I don't know synchronicity Loka. synchronicity <laughs> Happened recently. There's um, an animal. She's a telepathic animal healer, mm. and you know she randomly came across my path, and I said, "OJ, she's in Sedona. <laughs> I think this is our woman." He went, "Yeah." Okay. <laughs> oh, your first out of town <laughs> podcast, maybe it it in would be. We we don't know quite. I mean, we obviously. I was telling you earlier that we want this to be big we want this to be global we want to travel for this work and have this be part of our livelihood but we haven't discussed the actual travel plans yet we're surrendering we're still sitting at at my kitchen table (laughs) marvista (laughs) but yeah put it in the may 7th hat so sorry so love it the may 7th hat yeah so start one now (laughs) 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 apparently that's a great day for setting it'll it'll pass what do you mean this is coming up. no this is coming out next this is april 30th oh just kidding dates mixed up anyways yeah Mm, okay so um yeah okay so five bodies Oh yeah. When I was, uh, so I was traveling and I felt kind of stagnant and like, I didn't know where I was going to go next. And what is this big mission statement? My soul guidance team has handed down to me and I just didn't feel like I knew where to start. And so, and I felt I was like, I was out of shape and I needed to lose weight and everything was wrong and being very human. And someone said, well, why don't you do a hundred day challenge? I'm like, well, what kind? Well, do a it was, I think, a CrossFit challenge, like 100 push-ups and 100 squats oh boy. every day for 100 days. And when <laughs> you get done, you'll be so ripped. You know, something like that. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll try. I got to do something to get Can this. Can you please do the rest of the podcast in that voice? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. So I thought I had to do something to get my mojo, you know, get my mojo up. Got to do it. So I start off to do it and I have a little, you know, journal and I make my check boxes and I'm going to do this. But then me being me, I start going in, I'm going to meditate every day and I'm going to do my mantras and I'm going to take all my supplements and I'm like, just I make a whole list of everything I'm going to do every day. Well, about four days in, I was pretty much crippled. I couldn't move. I was just too sore. So I had to start making some adjustments to this hundred squats, hundred pushups thing. So I made some adjustments trying to go forward, but by two weeks in, there was just no squats or push-ups happening. It just wasn't happening at all. And I thought, well, what do I do here? Do I just like pitch this? And I thought, no, you're doing your meditation every day. You're doing your mantra every day. You know, you're doing these other things. So let's just keep going with those. And so I kept going with it. And by the end of the first hundred days, not by any initiation that I took, just as I'm sitting here in your chair doing this podcast, not because I initiated anything. At the end of that first hundred days, I was co-hosting a workshop with somebody that just came to me and said, will you co-host a workshop? And I'm like, okay, spirit, we're out there. So that was starting it. And so I thought that was really successful. Let's do another hundred days. And as I was starting a couple of weeks into my second hundred days is when I was looking down and going, why is this so effective? And I kind of reverse engineered the thing I'd already done and realized that even though we're making aspirations in only four areas, that all five bodies are being addressed within this approach that your spiritual body is being addressed your physical body your emotional body your mental body i think i left one energetic energetic body so all the bodies are getting attention all the bodies are being addressed and what i know from my private practice is that when you address all five bodies at the same time things change rapidly and so in this beta group that is going through it right now because my first thought was will this work for anyone other than me 
And I did it with just a couple people and realized it looks like it will. So then I did the beta to see if I could transmit it out to a group. And it seems to be happening. And it's confusing because it's subtle and small, but it's not. All of the most complicated things are the most simple. That's the birth of awareness is realizing that like we actually don't have to do anything. We have to unthink. We have to not think. Yes. We have to just be. Yes. Like that, like we don't, our minds don't know what to do with that. Yes. Right. This is what they're talking about in the, in the circles. And I've heard too many sentences to start with. I'm not doing anything. Nothing's changed. Wait a minute. And then they start realizing, oh, it is changing. And I have one participant brought her daughter. So her daughter was like in her really early twenties, loved her, had a tattoo on her arm that said, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh So, so she came with her mother, but I could tell she didn't really like vibe with it that much. You know, she's really, you know, at not at that phase where she's, it's like, what are these mumbo jumbo old ladies talking about? So, uh, her mother was saying that she thinks that she's not doing it, but that her mother can see changes in her Mm. because once you ignite that high self, it's like a program running Mm -hmm. in the background, just runs in the background. So... Is there a uh, estimated date for this? For the next one? Well, this round ends at near the end of June. And so I'll probably do it probably in July sometime. Oh, I don't know if that's a good time or a bad time to start a, something, but that lit me up. Or, or August or... August seems like it might be better to just... Maybe. People start things up in August, right? I don't know. I'll look at the... I will look at the uh, astrology because without w- realizing it, we started off right at the beginning of Mercury retrograde, Whoa, the last one, nice. the yeah. heavy one. And it was like, it was still, okay, this is, this is part of the process. When you mm. said that, the, the visual that came to me was a bunch of horses rearing up and bucking, some taking off on a gallop in this direction, others going over here. That's yeah. what that, and like lots of dust and there was yeah. a lot of dust came up. Is there anything that we missed that you you want to touch on? Gosh, I feel like I've been talking nonstop. You've it's said been, nothing. What been has even great. been said? Did we even? Are we even <laughs> sitting here? <laughs> um, well, I want to thank you for inviting me and just for being so lovely. And I'm about to say something stupid. Like <laughs> we can take it. I'll out. be here next week. No, like, we can arrange that. No, no. It's a uh, no. There's nothing really that I think I explained what I do. I think I explained why I do it. I think I explained how I got here. I'm. It's a great adventure that I'm on, mm-hmm. and I haven't reached the end point. And as far as I can tell, there is no end point. When you're involved with with spiritual cultivation, there there is no end point until you reach enlightenment. And that's not very likely, just so you know. They say, the sages say things like, it is easier for a sparrow to empty the ocean by using a thimble that it's holding in its beak than it is to attain enlightenment. So. How would they know? I think the point is that uh, don't focus on that. They want you to go for it. Jump. But jump. We are them. We are them. We are them. But just don't get, it's it's a way of discouraging the ego is what that is. Right. Let's just be honest. Yeah. It's a way of discouraging the ego. Right. So if the ego is like, I want to be enlightened. I'm it's not gonna, doing enough to get there. Yeah, I got to do more. I got to, you know, the ego, it's, they have all kinds of ways of just sort of trying to tamp the ego down. And that's all we're really going to do is we're going to get to know ourselves, get to know our egos. That's one of the things I ask participants to do for our next meetup is see if they could, you know, play in the game of name it to tame it. Mm-hmm. See if you could identify some, one, one because you have more than one, I'm sure, uh, one of your ego's voices. Like I have one, I haven't heard her for a while, but I have one I used to call Little Miss Put Upon. And she's so put upon, you know, mm-hmm. nothing's right. It wasn't fair. They didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. You know that one? The one that'll suck the joy out of anything? Mm-hmm. So if we... <laughs> <laughs> You're seeing yourself in this, Oh, you? my goodness. <laughs> I got nothing put upon me. Are you kidding me? 
It's getting hot in here. Yeah. So, so they, we all have these aspects. So that's the hundred days of self-discovery is discovering these aspects or people are realizing my favorite text was when a participant texted me and said, I realized that I'm a real rule follower. <laughs> I am going to, as an experiment, I'm going to stop following rules. Don't worry. I won't get arrested. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> And I thought, oh, that's perfect. And so that's part of the self-discovery is discovering what parts of you pop up, you know, because we all have onboard resistance. You know, we all have the, the parts of us that want to maintain the status quo. We all have our little Miss Put Upon or our little Mr. Can't Get Enough or whatever it is. Ram Dass called them our, our little schmooze schmooze just that's just your little schmoo and when it pops up you just go oh, hey there schmoo i know you nice i'm gonna have a conversation with a few of mine yeah <laughs> just <laughs> hey schmoo sit down yeah yeah, yeah. that's what i'm gonna tell you <laughs> like, i like you you need to be kind to them you just right. tell them you just take the microphone away that's why i say it's you don't get the microphone you know mm. give me the microphone you don't get to do the talking in my head today hmm Easy. That's all you have to do. I'm glad that you were the talking in my head today for part of my day. It was a real gift. <laughs> it was a real blessing. Yeah. And you too. Oh, yeah. You're always a gift and a blessing. Mm. Yeah, I'm very happy to have met you both. You're just really lovely people. Candice, thank you. If people want to reach you, should they go to your website? Uh, they can go to my website. Uh, I think there's a way to send me an email through there. Okay. And uh, my uh, website is one. There is, because that's how I contacted you. Oh, <laughs> good point. OneSpiritOfHealing.com. Okay. One spirit That's of it. Healing. Or they can call me. It's 310-795-8500. And I believe I have a Facebook page, Candace Feech Healer. You do. I stalked you already. You stalked me already? <laughs> Thank you for that. Candace's last name for the record is spelled V-E-A-C-H. And Candace with two A's, C-A-N-D-A-C-E. Well, you're lovely. Thanks for sitting and having tea with us. And uh, sharing this sacred space. Yeah. Aho. It's so, Aho. so awesome how you're integrating something physical like the Chinese medicine with something much bigger. And I think more people need to start doing that. Thank you, Candice. Thank you, OJ. Thank you, Casey. Thank Thanks. you, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to The Way of Healing. We hope that you find yourself inspired. If you enjoyed our show, a gift is to let others know. And we want to hear from you. Please share your feedback so we know how our work is resonating. Make us aware of modalities and practitioners whom we may not know. If you haven't already, please subscribe at thewayofhealingpodcast.com. Our email is thewayofhealingpodcast at gmail.com and find us at facebook.com forward slash thewayofhealing. Remember, a rising tide lifts all boats.